Yo, what's happening, innit? Yeah, you're listening to D1, you know, keep the music blasting, keep on broadcasting, what up, R.O.'s? Oi, oi, how's you doing, J-Boz? J-Boz. 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 I mean, I shouldn't criticise you for J-Boz, I couldn't do any better than R.O.'s. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't a particularly strong opening, that. So, uh, in case you haven't gathered, we're going for a um, new approach to the show this week we're going to appeal more to the urban street kid market it's what they're aiming for now everything has to be gritty we have to really appeal to a different demographic a wider demographic we're actually for the entire duration of the show we're going to be cycling around the studio on bmx's we are and it's really dizzying we've been warming up a bit before and this is actually why we are somewhat depleted verbal discharge today yeah we're missing two members to hospital who are oh. indeed injured in BMXing accidents. We are down to a 50% operating capacity <laughs> of the verbal discharge team. Uh, we've, we've had some recorded messages from Ben, which we will hopefully be playing out later. However, Jordan is just absent. If you're here, let us know, Jordan. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're just, just slacking, just I've, generally I've been poor in touch performance. With Jordan. He informed me that he was just immensely ill. I have a theory. Mm? This is it. He's got a bowler. He's patient zero. He's going to be the one to end it all. He's he's got a bowler. What's he? Is he uh, as in as in Alistair the hat? Cook is he keeping? Yeah, <laughs> is he keeping a number of cricketers locked up? He's got a bowler. He's got all of the bowlers. In, not not just a bowler, but in his wardrobe, you open it up. All of the uh, you know England and sort of Pakistan mm. and <laughs> any cricket bowlers the, from all of time. Like, all right, how's it going? This is what a bowler is going to evolve into. Multitude of bowlers. Yeah, the new disease that nobody can stop (laughs) oh man i'm robbie he's james we're currently down on members if you didn't hear the previous two minutes and (laughs) and uh you can get in touch with us if you want to become the third member of today's discharge uh we're at verb dis radio on twitter because some jammy so-and-so stole verbal discharge some swine we're, you can find us on Facebook, we're Verbal Discharge, and we've also got the WordPress, which we put the first kind of article otherwise up on last week, so you can see that it's my history of the Planet of the Apes. To summarise, we have a social media presence, and you can find it if you follow the instructions that Robbie has just issued to you. And if you want to, you can say, hey, why don't you talk to me about this thing I'm interested in? You may not be, and it may be really inconvenient for you to talk about it. But anyway, do it. We may well do it. <laughs> to be it's honest, chances asking. are we will do it. Yeah, we'll at least say hello or apologise for not doing it. Oh, as we all do. Actually, that reminds me, a few weeks ago on our first show, mm. we said to Callum, who had a lot of correspondence with us, both yeah. on the first show and from last week's show, Yes. and we said that we'd, um, we'd go on to something that he'd talk about. It was, I believe, about time travel. I think it was. No, it wasn't. It was about... He posted a Reddit AMA onto our... Yeah, I found a bloke on Reddit who was shot in the head, survived and said there was no pain. And then he's posted a series of links um, trying to answer, does it hurt to get shot in the head? (laughs) I personally have not ever been shot in the head, though I'd imagine it is... Oh, you haven't lived. Painful. No, I I haven't died is actually the point. (laughs) That's the normal... uh, Follow up to my old head. grandfather. He'd, he'd gather us round. He'd say, "Come on, kids, come <laughs> on, sit round the fire, and let me tell you about all the times I was shot in the head." And Fuck we'd say, Britain. "Granddad, is that why you look like a sieve?" 
<laughs> and we, he'd go, yes. And then he'd leak out all of the holes in his... I don't know <laughs> if that was clear. You are the colander boy. To, to clarify, um, my grandfather was not a sieve, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Which is a shame. Mine was a wooden spoon. Together, we could have been three quite. quarters of the way towards making some pasta. Yeah, quite the team. Wait, yeah. three quarters of the way? What are the other... Uh, <laughs> as in, as in pasta. I think. And how yeah, are we need... three quarters from a sieve and a wooden spoon? <laughs> how has one of these taken half well, and the need, other need... only a quarter? Okay, we need. A... Whose grandfather is superior? Mine's a wooden spoon, mate. Yeah, but mine's a sieve. Well, mine's the greatest wooden spoon in the whole of Carmarthenshire. Mine serves a niche, actual purpose, like an insect, whereas yours. Is just what niche purposes do an insect serve? Insects in the insect kingdom. But they, they're living things, the poor blighters. Yeah, but they specialise in things. They've got certain things that they do well. You like, could have said, like, someone that's got a job. Like someone that's got a job. Yeah, like an accountant. You're not going to rely on them for archery. Yeah, but an accountant isn't a purpose. It's more just <laughs> no, sort of an occupation. Sorting out your accounts is a purpose. Welcome to the world, son. When you grow up, you're going to be an accountant. Oh, <laughs> But, Dad... You wouldn't want the accountant to put up a building for you. No, he's there to sort out your accounts. That's a purpose. That's a purpose <laughs> for the accountant. Just as well I found one now, because I can imagine there are a lot of architects... No, what did I just say? Um, accountants. accountants. Out there currently struggling... For reasons to keep going. So I've just given you a purpose. Thank me later, all accountants. Verbal discharge on D1 Radio. It's really good. Why not like our Facebook page? We are D1. We are verbal discharge coming out of the radio and straight into your ears. Robbie, I believe you have a thing. Something that can go into ears is bullets through the ears of children. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, <laughs> I've heard... It is, under is no it? circumstances, right to kill a child. Is this the link that gets us kicked <laughs> off air, <laughs> This finally? is the link that gets us killed, kicked off air. Okay. And killed, potentially, as well. Um, so, I thought, here are some hypothetical scenarios under which do you feel it would be right to kill a child? <laughs> and I want your judgment, okay. James, right. as to whether or not it would be right to kill a child in these circumstances. <laughs> I'm I'm almost speechless. I'm not quite sure how to respond <laughs> to this, but go ahead. Let, let's okay. launch into it. Scenario number one of is it right to kill a child? Right. You return home from uni one weekend, weary and tired from your lengthy journey to Macclesfield. You hobble up the <laughs> stairs slowly when you notice a trail of blood. Assuming oh. your dad has just come back from Fight Club, you think nothing of it. Until you reach the foot of the stairs and you see, gasp, Sally Bosson, your own mother, and our most beloved listener, is dead. Stood over the body as a girl of eight or nine, holding a knife and wearing a t-shirt that reads, I will kill again. (laughs) She readily confesses to you. Consumed with rage, you run after her to apprehend the girl, but she jumps out of the way, revealing the corpse your father, the president, and Jennifer Lawrence. You grab hold of the girl. You have the knife. The TV switches itself on. George Alagaya is wearing a slightly natty suit. He tells you the entire justice system is shut down and is never going to prosecute anyone again for right. a crime that takes okay. place outside of a motor vehicle. Is it all right to kill this child? Can I just can I inquire beforehand, before yes. going into whether or not it is okay to kill a child in this circumstance, 
Why are my parents hanging around with, Jen- with Jennifer Lawrence? <laughs> Why know. is Jennifer Lawrence there as well? I think that the next down... So obviously you go... In terms of the best people in the world you, you want to be killing, it would be Jennifer Lawrence, followed by Obama, presumably. It depends on the period of time. Followed by your parents. And <laughs> clearly the victim is... Ca- no, the, the child murderer is carrying all of their victims around with them. Right, okay. Um, would I'd, you kill that child? I'd... Uh, I don't know. You know what? What's interesting about this this segment here? What's interesting about the segment here, James? Despite you completely coming up with these scenarios and posing <laughs> them to me, you've put me in a position where I personally <laughs> have to say whether or not I would kill a child in these circumstances. Would you kill a child in these circumstances, James? I, this I, is the thing. I don't I know if know. I can answer, Robbie. I don't know if I. Yeah, go on. Okay, you. Yeah, I'd, I'll I'd... go on. I'll murder a nine-year-old girl. <laughs> no, you monster! No, don't you twist monster! <laughs> She's killed my parents and Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, uh, number two, the second scenario: Is it right to kill a child if you have a time machine and tickets to one of a young Adolf Hitler's art exhibitions? <laughs> is it right to kill this child? <laughs> Did Adolf Hitler have art exhibitions? Yeah, he was a. Uh, I think the reason he went into killing thousands of Jews was because he was just a frustrated artist. He couldn't get the audience he deserved. And he thought, you know what? An artist's purpose is to solicit emotion (laughs) from an audience. And he thought, I could get a great deal of emotion if I just killed my entire audience and more. (laughs) It was. The Second World War, the Third Reich was indeed one of the greatest art installations of the 20th century. How how old is is Hitler? I'd say 10. 10. 10 good Addy. See, because I've got to, I've got to make the choice now. With do I believe that he's at a young age where? Because if I've got the time machine, I could potentially, yep. instead of killing the child, just teach him how to not kill people. Oh, so in Ooh. this in this circumstance, I'm I'm not going to kill the child. I'm okay. not going to kill Hitler. It may backfire on you. You may think, what a northern idiot, and then kill even more people. But <laughs> you've made that decision. And okay. we'll find out when we wake up tomorrow what the history books say. <laughs> Is this, do we end the show later on with you like revealing a time machine? <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. Remember, listeners, you won't know if, um, if we did it. That being said, the listeners won't have any idea that we stopped um, World War Six from happening. No, because in they their, won't, will they? In their timeline, that it just won't have occurred. Ah, oh. oh. that's almost as major an event as you potentially killing another child. Uh, so, would you kill a child if Kieran Knightley asked you to really nicely? It's a newborn son, and she really wants to have an abortion so she could start a family. <laughs> so she could start a family with you instead of the husband she actually has and is very happy with. She couldn't get an appointment. And oh, Robbie! Cherish the thought Robbie. of the backstreet alternative offered to her by Viggo Mortensen. She gets down on one knee and proposes to you. Is it all right to kill her child? I mean, it's Kara Knightley, so I suppose so. Yeah. If she asked really nicely, I don't know if I could. If I could say I, no, I would slaughter a school a Texas style for. Oh my God, Robbie. Oh my God. I didn't just confess to that. Moving on. I would like to clarify that Robbie in no way confirmed with me prior to this what he was going to say. <laughs> okay, um, next one. In this case, I think I would definitely kill this child. Uh, you're on an airplane. The kid in theory, is in theory watching Madagascar, 
But close to the truth <laughs> is that he's jumping on his seats, screaming and generally showing signs of being a of clear public hatred and ill education. The flight lasts for another 100 billion billion hours and this kid is physically unable to sleep due to a rare medical condition. Is it all right to kill this child? Oh, unquestionably. Yeah. Don't even have to think about that one, yeah. You could position the same thing at the cinema and I would have killed him several times. I'd I'd go back and make sure he was dead. Okay, so you're here to hear first. (laughs) Confirm the kill. (laughs) There are three instances under which it is correct to kill a child. However, that doesn't apply if he's Adolf Hitler. That was a really good link, Robbie. So much like the lives of all of our child listeners, um, <laughs> Robbie ruins things. All the time. All, all the time. I can't help it. Sorry, all it's just the time. My, my default position in life. It's just what Robbie does. Robbie was born, as we will discover, to just ruin things. That's why they call me Robbie the Ruin Things. Robbie the Ruiner. They, Robbie they, the Ruiner. They thought, no, they thought about calling me Robbie the Ruiner, but that was taken, so I'm <laughs> Robbie the Ruin Fingser. <laughs> you got the second a slightly, tier. Slightly more awkward version of the same idea. It's an inferior quality name. Yeah. So, um, in order to just go through and explore how terrible Robbie is as a person and in general. Yeah. Um, Which I am. Yeah. I've got from here. Um, I'm sure you're aware, Robbie, what with all the research that was done into your life, mm. of your biography. Yes. Uh, the Life and Times of Robert Owen. Yes, the, the or, biography that doesn't cover my, my name as Robbie Owen, and therefore, otherwise you'd put the middle name in, which is, of course, James. I don't know. Exactly. What James are my middle Alexander names? Edward Bosson. Oh, you swine. It's Alan. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, sorry, I missed that. The Life and Times <laughs> of Robert Alan Owen. There you go. Or... Things Robbie has ruined. And what I've got here are some choice extracts from that timeless volume. Um, and it's, it's just about your life, Robbie. And I'm sure that you can inform both me and our listeners mm-hmm. what that was like, you know, and what, what it was like to actually be there during these events. Let me just flick through okay. the okay. book. It's largely despicable you, you, and terrible You can hear, listeners, you, you can hear the, the pages flicking. That's what that is. Now, this is a choice extract from chapter one, introduction to destruction. Born in the approximate year of 29 AD, Robert Owen was spat out of the depths of hell itself and was personally created by Lord Beelzebub as an arbiter of his will to decimate all life on Earth. I wasn't personally created by uh, Beelzebub. I was executive produced by Lord Beelzebub. (laughs) He he was slightly removed from the process. Who directed you? Uh, Michael Bay. (laughs) <laughs> Robbie has been a, oh sorry Robbie had been alive and self-aware for literally seconds before he ruthlessly murdered and assumed the identity of Judas Iscariot <laughs> deciding that enough was enough Robbie immediately set about the betrayal of Jesus Christ turning him over to the religious authorities of the time and ensuring the spawning of countless religious wars throughout all oh, of history don't, don't, don't paint it like that he, he did a terrible job on my carpentry <laughs> Was he ever actually recognised as a carpenter at the time? Well, you, a, you know, you killed him and, <laughs> and turned was, him over. He, he was a carpenter, not a very good one. But I think he sort of, people overlook that for the fact he was a son of God. When really, that thing I was saying earlier about bit your profession, your purpose, his purpose wasn't being the son of God, that's Wait, just who he was. Wasn't wasn't his dad a carpenter? Possibly. Or was that, did Jesus ever have an actual well, job? Is, is God a part carpenter? Is no, when, no, um, no, no, is in his... 
is yeah, I is he was a carpenter. his actual dad. Did Joseph. you have, yeah, it Joseph. Do you yeah. think that was like a weird situation for Joseph? You can imagine. Like nowadays, they go on Jeremy Kyle, wouldn't they? <laughs> sort it out. Right, listen here, God, says Jeremy as he's crouched <laughs> down on the step at the front, judging people. My anyway. bird claims she's the, ooh, her baby's from God. <laughs> I believe it's from the bloke down the chippy. Let's have the DNA test. But anyway, um, let's go to some other terrible things you've done. This is a choice extract from chapter four. Mm-hmm. Black death, most definitely. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Mo- most death? Is this where I kill most death? No, but... Oh. Um, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't just outright steal that pun from his name. <laughs> By the dawn of the 14th century, Robbie's influence and power had grown in vast and unprecedented ways. Not only had he managed to create a perfectly engineered biological disease, but he had amassed a huge following of black rats, a species with which he could relate. Robbie would spend many nights and days telling the rats of his trials and tribulations, beguiling them with his adventures of devastating his way through history. Eventually, when he had fully earned their trust and respect and had been accepted by the entire species as their new god-king, Robbie informed them of of his plan to end all life on Earth, which he had titled The Final Solution. The rats were completely psyched about this idea and got to work spreading Robbie's wonder plague throughout all of Europe. Robbie sat back and watched as humanity began to wither and die, laughing as his rat peons scampered through the undergrowth of his beard, which was now coloured a striking red after being washed in the blood of the innocent. After claiming the lives of somewhere between 75 to 200 million people, Robbie's plans were foiled by his arch-nemesis and greatest foe, the concept of common decency. Uh, okay. How no, was that? The the rats are top guys, actually. I haven't seen them in quite a while. Um, actually, do you want to see my tail from my time with the rats? Yeah, go on. Yeah, hold on. Uh, I, I apologise to the listeners who can't see my tail, but just, just I'll, imagine... I'll have to uh, the... describe this to you. Robbie is, is lowering his trousers. He is... Oh, oh, it's... Oh! Oh, it's bizarre. It is. It's... it's... Um, I, I've grown to see it as beautiful, oh. but I'm aware it's not. The thing that I'm amazed about is, despite you being a fully sized man, yes. it is still the size of a rat's tail. Yeah. And it basically acts like a sort of weird fleshy hair above the crack of your rectum. It, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It, it becomes awkward in situations. And if it ever gets trapped in between, which it can, moving on. Is it uncomfortable to sit on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Extract from Chapter 7 Shoot in and loot in in the free world. Amongst one of the first 16th century settlers, that was a tongue twister, Mm -hmm. to arrive in the Americas, Robbie Owen was delighted and amused by the trivial matters that concerned the Native American peoples, such as the maintaining of a sustainable relationship with nature. When he had grown bored with looking down on the proud proud and harmonious Native American peoples, Robbie Owen began an intense propaganda campaign, framing many of the Native tribes for a series of attacks on Spanish and English settlers, Consequently, this began a ruthless race war that would ultimately see an estimated 18 million Native Americans killed in what is fondly remembered as one of history's greatest genocides. What can I say? I'm just a massive racist. Well, that will happen, and I'm, I'm aware of this. of genocide. Final note. 
Robbie Owen was also personally responsible for the Rhode Island Great Swamp Massacre of 1675, in which over oh. 300 women and children were burnt alive in their sleep. That, no, that's a common misconception. The first thought, yes, I was. <laughs> that one was not me. I'm not sure who did it, but they framed me pretty well because I'm an easy target. It escalated. It just got out of hand needlessly. Is that what happened? Is that how it went down? That was, that was exactly what happened. I, I wasn't involved. I wasn't actually in the country at the time, and yet I was framed for it. It was a... So, um, so there we go. Those are just some choice extracts. And I hope that you listeners now fully understand and appreciate that my co-host, Robert Al- Alan Owen. Yes. I, I messed up a bit there, but it's no, okay. No, Robert Alan Owen, and I'm going to keep saying it in an effort <laughs> to remember, is officially the worst human being in the history of the human race. Aren't you? Yes. Yes, I totally agree with that statement. And we're here playing my new favourite game, Would Harvey Keitel Like That? Yay! Studio audience, wouldn't you like that? Yeah, we would! Yeah, we love Harvey Keitel! So, James, do you know who Harvey Keitel is? Yes! Great. I'm now (laughs) going to list some items. The one requirement for this game is complete. I'm going to list a number of items, and you, against the clock are going to have to name whether you think Harvey Keitel does or does not like this item. There'll be a okay. right and wrong answer as to whether or not Harvey Keitel likes this item or not. Have you consulted Harvey Keitel on this? No, but I'm making... <laughs> You're making I, assumptions. I I... You feel you're friendly enough with him because I... he appeared briefly in Grand Budapest Hotel. That's exactly what happened. No, I actually broke into his mind in an Inception-like um, heist hmm. and stole his opinions on, amongst other things, passion fruit. <laughs> okay, so okay, we're right. going to go now. I'm going to put you on the clock, and you're going to have to try and beat a period of time. I'm not quite sure how long this should take. I can do this. I can handle so this. So you want to go as quickly as possible and see if you can get the right answer as to whether or not Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel likes the following items. Okay, so... Fire three, away. Two, one, go. Passion fruit. Yes. Yes, he does. The colour orange. No. No, correct. Uh, Franz Ferdinand's self-titled first album. Say yeah. Yeah, he does. It's a great album. Wooden chairs. No. No, no, you're you're quite right there. Harvey Cartel is not particularly fond of wooden chairs. Stripy socks. No. Harvey Cartel actually loves stripy socks. That's what he spent all of the money he got from the uh adverts he did with direct line on. Oh. Uh grapes. No, he doesn't. Harvey Cartel loves grapes. Oh. The Owen Bosson happy hour, Deville Discharge. This. Is it a happy hour? Yeah, oh, he loves the, this. He's our biggest fan. He is, correct. The Quran. Yes. <laughs> He's very pro the Quran. Uh, on iPod Shuffle. Um, nah. Nah, he prefers to listen to his albums straight as they were meant to be. Correct. That's, that's, that's very good detail on Harvey Cartel. Mm. Uh, the Four Candles sketch by the two Ronnies. What does Harvey Cartel think of the t- Four Candles sketch? He thinks it was accomplished, but ultimately overrated. Fair enough. That, that's about right, yeah. Um, I'll give you that one. This game. Does Harvey, Harvey Cartel like this game? No. No, correct. <laughs> he absolutely despises us. The moon. Does Harvey Keitel like the moon? Um, yeah, I, I say he does. He, he's fond of the moon. He is pro-moon. And your final answer, world peace. Does Harvey, is Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Keitel pro-world peace? No. And that's actually an incorrect answer. You got, I don't know uh, how many right and how many wrong, but it took you 1 minute 25. Um, I'd guess you got around 4 wrong or something. So I'll penalise you like 5 seconds for each one, meaning you round out on about 2 minutes. Which okay. is a fair time and puts you at the top of this season's leaderboard on Would Harvey Keitel like that? 
Join us next time for more Harvey Keitel-based fun and slight rip-off from um, games played by Billy Eichner. Ha ha ha, that sure is funny. So, Robbie. Hello. You know the ability to argue and debate. No, what is it? It's important is what it is. And what we're going to do here and now is test your ability to argue and debate a point that you are unaware of or you haven't been able to see before or haven't been able to see before. Okay. So, I've written down on some pieces of paper some points and I folded them up and I didn't have access to a hat, so instead I've had to put them into the hood of this cagoule. What kind of points are we talking? Bullet, dash? They're just statements oh, or right. or general I don't know how to describe it, Robbie. They're just things. You'll see when you open one up. And what you've got to do is open it up. I'll give you a minute and a half on the clock, and you've got to convince me of that point as best you can in the time limit allocated. Okay. I'll I'll let you know at the time when you've got 30 seconds remaining Mm -hmm. so that if you want to wrap up and go to any conclusions, you can do. Okay. And the way that I'm going to do this now is very awkwardly walk around the table. So feel free to narrate to our listeners what we're doing. I shall now narrate. James is taking his headphones off. We do, of course, wear headphones here at D1. We are nothing but professional. He has picked up what is his coat, and he's using the hood in place. I am walking around the table. He is using his hood in place of a hat. I am now reaching in to said hood and ravelling through. He's actually got pieces of paper, unlike my train tickets last week. I have not opened it. I have it in my hands. Do you have it in your hands? Yes. I am now back on my side of the table. The headphones are going back on. Robbie, do you feel mentally ready? No. Okay. Which is going to make this so fascinating. Now, open it up. I'll give you time to read it. Say it. <coughs> striped socks should be made illegal. Minute and a half, go. Okay, well, I believe that striped socks should be made illegal. Firstly, because Harvey Keitel loves them. And I think <laughs> Harvey Keitel is a terrible person. If you look at him in the film Pulp Fiction, he plays a man who is an expert in having people killed and dealing with said situations. Fine and point. I don't think we should be condoning the wills of people that enjoy such things. As such, I'd also ban passion fruit and whatever items I just listed in the previous link. Um, I also think that they can be distracting if you find yourself in, for example, cinemas in Japan, it's tradition to take your shoes off. I find if you're really? wearing striped... Yes. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, if you're wearing striped socks in these scenarios, it'll be incredibly distracting. It'll be similar to having a phone out, which I personally think people should be shot for. Um, having this phone out in the cinema so I'm not saying you should be shot for it but I'm certainly saying you should be illegal in order to prevent it uh, I feel we have to do as best we can to prevent this sort of scenario arising uh, on top of this striped socks are just confusing um, if you're you 30 seconds on the wearing, if, you're, okay, if you're wearing a pair of striped socks you can't tell what colour it is someone says what colour are your socks you put oh they're, they're stripey then ask what and you've got to list all the colours of the rainbow instead of of course just saying oh they're blue oh they're black with a little red pokey toe bit I am also seconds. right now not wearing striped socks but I was yesterday so um, that may undermine my points somewhat but I am nothing if not a man against the law I am a rebel with a cause that was Do very well timed. That's three, two, one. Oh, okay. That, that's, Sorry, that's, I was slightly your time. Okay. No, no, it's okay. That was very neatly fit in, though. I think we, we got some interesting things across there. Do you feel that you would now ban stripy socks? I don't know if I'm altogether convinced, but I'm certainly on my way to believing it. Okay. I, I, I'm certainly beginning to feel. I'm getting the initial inklings that striped socks should be made illegal. That sounded like a sheer song. 
I'm getting the initial inklings. I'm certainly beginning to feel this drive socks should be made illegal. So, you know what? Let's see how you fare with another one. Do you want to do another one? Go on. I'll do another one. Let's do we another one. have to narrate you walking around the table again. Yeah, but this time, I want you to do it as though you are commenting on... No, as though you're a football commentator. Okay. And it is me, Gerbil Steinfeld, back on the ver- <laughs> verbal discharge again. And now it is Boston. He's picked up the, the, the hood and he's walking around the table. It's incredible. He's coming towards the target. And <coughs> Owen reaches in. He's picked up a piece of paper. He's going to read it. Is he going to read it? No, he's not. He's waiting until Boston is support, gets in support in order to do it. Okay. He's back. And it's a remarkable finish by Owen. He's going to read the piece of paper now. Okay, I'm now going to read the piece of paper. Just let me take Go for a it. breath. Go for it. I am Iron Man. Go. Go. Okay. Um, as you're fully aware, I believe that the majority of films are indeed fictional, um, unlike documentaries, which are not fictional. Iron Man, the film released in 2008, directed and written by John Favaro, although it said that there wasn't really a script. A lot of the dialogue was improvised by Robert Downey Jr., who starred as Iron Man, and people commonly refer to him as Iron Man, when in fact he was playing a character called Tony Stark, who is not also Iron Man. Uh, that film was fictional. My, however, I however, am Iron Man. You um, are Iron Man. I'm much like Tony Stark at the end of the press conference in that film, who stated, I am Iron Man. I am now, this is my confession. Um, <coughs> apologies, I had to cough. Uh, right, okay, and I can prove that I am Iron Man because of all the money I have. Uh, however, it's stashed <laughs> away. Um, and the facilities, I, I didn't actually build the suit myself. That was actually Tony Stark, who is a real person. Um, and didn't want his name changed because he felt the witness protection program actually worked better that way if um, he wasn't his name wasn't changed people assume he's fictional if everyone um, was just assuming that he he was also in a giant mechanized suit exactly he's actually a 86 year old man on the clock. who looks more like Sorry, uh, Christopher seconds. Lloyd than um, Robert Downey Jr. Uh, I, however, am the one that pilots the shoot. I was chosen after a particular... I used to help out at a beaver camp in... Um, a beaver troop, even, in Nottingham. And one evening, I was... It was on a beaver camp, and a beaver began to <laughs> Two, fall into one. a river. That's it. That's um, a minute and a half. But, oh, no, 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 no. The beaver was falling it. into a river. I leapt oh, in and saved oh, him. No, and the, in mic the, is, the mic is off. I've turned your microphone off. I'll, I'll turn it back up, but on the condition that you don't talk about this beaver thing because your minute and a half is up good link james good pretty good pretty good so robbie would you care to lead the way yeah so i was thinking following the the news during last week that broke that i'm slightly miffed about uh, the fact that we're going to have a fourth toy story and it's going to be live action yeah and so we're going to have a live action toy story john last is back to direct it but we are getting uh, a live action toy it is story. a shame it is a shame three was the perfect ending yeah. three was the perfect ending and we don't need to be live action. Exactly. Um, I was thinking more things I want a live action version of. More things you do or don't want a live action version of. I, I do want a live action. Sorry, things. I do want a live action version of rather than having a live action Toy Story. Okay. Which, which right. is happening. Right. So, what, what, what things would these be? I'm going to list now some things that I want a live action version of. Feel free to interject or add your own. Frozen. I'd quite like a live action Frozen. Uh, the Crusher um, Cat adverts. Crusher cat. Oh, the, yeah. the old. I want some crusher. crusher. I, I want some crusher. crusher. It's tough enough to make milkshake. I, I want. I, I want a live action version of that. I want a live action version of Avatar. <laughs> um, Wait, wasn't Avatar a live action version? Exactly. Um, <laughs> I want a live action version of Finding Nemo. I want what? a live action version of yogurt. 
What? I think a live action version of yogurt would be fantastic. Imagine, like, you know yogurt when you're eating yogurt at the moment? Yeah. And it's kind of lifeless and dull. If you had a live action version, all the energy it could add. Um, <laughs> Ken the Eagle. I want a live action version of Ken the Eagle. Ken the Eagle. Ken the Eagle. Who is Ken the Eagle? You know Ken the Eagle. Ken the Eagle. Ken the Eagle. Ken the Eagle. Well, next time I see Ken, I'll be sure to tell him you don't oh, remember him. Is that the guy who's an eagle? Yes. I was wondering Ken. what his yes. name was. It's, it's always really weird whenever you see him when you're out and about. And I he's want... like, you're right there, mate. How's it going? And you're like, do I, like, is it weird <laughs> if I mention that he's an eagle? Is he that raises awkward? A, raises a, a wing in recognition. Yeah, that's Ken the Eagle. I want a live action version of him. Tempin Bowling. Quite like te- live Tempin Bowling. Live action Tempin Bowling. Uh, Fight Club. I think Fight Club's a great film, but could do it being live action. Um, <laughs> Coco Pop, the, you know the Cocoa Pop adverts that were on in the mid-2000s? I recall. The, the crocodile dived into the swimming pool. Yeah, and I And it was I changed to chocolatey. Do you remember that? I, I remember fondly. I want a live-action version of that where a real crocodile jumped off a swimming pool. Swimming board. Is that board. just where someone pushes a crocodile? Yeah, I want someone to murder a crocodile. Because I don't imagine a crocodile could really jump. It'd just sort of flop. Yep, that's what I want to happen. Um... I will, you know, Train Arriving at the Station, the first film? Yeah. Live action version of that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, the 7.36 to Cardiff, I'm catching to my morning on the train theme. Want a live action version of that? <laughs> I mean, if I turn up and that train's animated, it oh, wouldn't be that'd be a nightmare. Uh, the final moments of a salmon's life. The final moments of a salmon's life? Yeah, I'd quite like an animated live action, sorry, a live action version of that. As in before it's caught by a bear? Yeah. That'd be interesting, actually. Seeing the do you, do you think they have a concept of fear, salmon? I don't know. Disgusting and I'm not really, creatures I, that they are. I'd written a a slight segment for the idea of being funny and making a joke about the fact that Toy Story Four is going to be live action, which it isn't. Um, I wasn't. Should expecting, that be live action? Yeah, a salmon's life. I yes, I wasn't expecting to get into the idea that of salmon mortality. Moving on, uh, Ingmar Bergman film Persona, which is live action already, but I'd like a live action version of that. Uh, Frank Sidebottom, who's dead, I'd like a live action version of him. <laughs> uh, the Muppets Treasure Island, live action version, please. With, but please tell me we can keep Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, Tim Curry can stay. Oh, Everyone else can be live action. Eliza. Um, France, quite like a live action version of France, yeah. the country. Because as we all know, all of France is currently stop motion. Yeah. <laughs> the baguettes they're eating aren't actually baguettes. They're no bread there. Um, they're all Play-Doh. Finding Nemo. I really want a live-action version of Finding Nemo. Uh, just to see the fish actors they cast. Because I can imagine that being fairly tricky to direct a fish. Um, Marlon Brando. Brilliant. That was brilliant. literally the best joke I've ever made. I don't think you understand how <laughs> proud I am of coming up with that that quickly. Um, Toy Story 3. If we're doing Toy Story 4, we want a live-action Toy Story 3. Um, the Frog Chorus, Paul McCartney's uh, real masterpiece. Forget the Beatles. Uh, live-action version of that. Othello. Othello, Othello? like a live-action Othello. Yeah, the Shakespeare play. Oh, but I think like, that is in the game. There's a game called Othello? Yeah, it involves... Um, or it was the English version of Go, which was... Uh, Arguably, like the oldest game in. Anyway, I've got no idea what you're talking about. Go. Okay, I'll go. Uh, and my <laughs> final list on my item of things I want a live-action version of is Pythagoras's theorem. Pythagoras's uh, theorem. Yeah, Pythagoras's theorem. Do you think that translates to a live-action version? Yeah, I feel. Would it at not the moment, lose the charm of the original? At the moment, the whole concept is a little flat. Um, I feel we could bring it to life 
bring those three sides to life. With a live-action version of Pythagoras' theorem. Yeah, I want a live-action version of Pythagoras' theorem. That'd be pretty magical. I also want the chance to meet Pythagoras and have his autograph. I think some of his work involving triangles was just sensational. Isn't he very dead? I'd imagine so. <laughs> I'd imagine so. I don't know enough about maths or mathematicians <laughs> yeah, to no, comment on the lifespan of we Pythagoras. only actually invented triangles about 100 years ago. Uh, he's st- and he only found it about last week. Back before then, people would were just limited to circles or squares. <laughs> they had no three-sided God, shapes. Uh, when we got to like Lee were out of business until Pythagoras came along, and they were like, "Oh, triangles! <laughs> That's a shape we can put our cow mascot-based dairy our cow snack mascot." In. Oh, based. I thought you said cow mascot paste, <laughs> as in someone's liquidised a cow mascot and it's just become sort of a weird stew. And I like the thought of cow mascot being, you know, like on the, before a football match, they lead out, um, all the players take the hand of a child mascot. Yeah. I like the thought of them all coming out of a cow. <laughs> and then they proceed to milk it on the pitch. Like when they're milking it for penalties. Oh, puns. I'd also like it if um, the cows didn't leave the pitch and they just stayed on and grazed and all the players had to sort of avoid them and dodge them and work around them. Like the one tra- uh, there's one stage in Mario Strikers charged on Wii in which um, you have to avoid cows. cows. Really? Yeah, the, the, yeah. God, I should work for Nintendo. <laughs> you should. Or maybe you should not as they've already got all your ideas. Do they have my ideas? All of them. Oh. No. 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 Do you want... Why did you do the D1 alongside it? Oh, because it's satisfying. D1. 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 This is D1. Are all the jingles so disjointed? D1. It's just some of us. I imagine it's Woody Allen putting on a gruff voice. Oh, no. This is D1. I expect any other jingles. Is that your Woody Allen voice? Yes. Interesting. Um, we've got about half an hour left with us. Um, if you do want to, as we've mentioned previously, you can get in touch with us. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash verbal discharge or verbal hyphen discharge hyphen is in the mark. Don't spell it out. Or you can find us on Twitter at verb radio. So Robbie, you know how, whenever we do uh, these little segments in the radio where we talk, yes, usually there's something to link the thing we're talking about to a current event. There's always a reason we're talking about it. Often, sometimes. It's maybe. not happening this time. Oh. No, no. That that sheen of professionalism has all but vanished. However, there is a vague link in that over the past two shows we've done yep. a segment of two truths, one lie. Yes. Someone has posed two truths and a lie. And we have had to figure out which is which, basically. You could call it a reoccurring feature. Now, I've I've been thinking about this long and hard Mm -hmm. for many, many seconds. And I have very cunningly come up with a spin on it. Okay. And that spin is two lies, one truth. You've got to identify which is which. I shall do so, and I shall ask you questions in order to reach that end. Now, what I've chosen to do, for no particular or distinct reason, is Olympic events. Okay. I have got some Olympic events here Mm -hmm. and some information about them. One of them was an actual Olympic event that occurred. Others aren't. I made them up. These aren't ones that you've competed in. These are... You've got to name the Olympic event that I've competed in. Okay. So, going into it, the first one, 
live pigeon shooting. Uh, this was only held once in the history of the modern Olympics. Yeah. And it was held in the year 1900, which was in Paris. Um, and basically what they do is they just release a flock of pigeons before the participants, and the participants just had to shoot as many of them dead as possible. Um, the gold medal went to Leon de London, who was Belgium, and killed almost... Who was Belgium? He was, he was Bel- the entirety of Belgium. He was Belgian. Belgian. He was the f- well, physical embodiment of Belgium as a Belgian. Just keep going. Anyway, um, next one, boomerang throwing. This was held three times as an Olympic event uh, in Mexico City in 1968, Munich, which was in then West <laughs> Germany uh, in 1972, and finally Moscow in 1980. So it skips one. Um, and the contestants basically just had to throw a boomerang as, as far as they could. And the interesting fact here about this one is that um, every single time they did this, the gold medal was won by an Italian. And not an Australian, as you'd expect. Not as you'd expect. Well, I suppose the, what, what they cut, throw comes back to them, so the medal keeps coming back if you win it once. <laughs> Dunno, that doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> no, but did it, they it, have to catch the boomerang afterwards? I don't think so. I think you just you just throw the boomerang aside, which, which if anything is harder than throwing it and catching it again, yeah. because they're designed to return to you. So anyway, uh, the final one: elephant polo, which oh. was held in every modern Olympics until 1912. Uh, the last one was in Stockholm in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> it was effectively just polo, but with elephants instead of horses. And there there would be two riders per elephant, one to steer the elephant, and one to use a large mallet to try and hit the... A um, mallet? It it was a mallet. It was a very long-handled mallet, and they'd try and just hit the ball into uh, the opposing team's net, I guess you'd call it. How big was the ball, if you're atop an elephant? It was, I'd say, slightly larger than a football. Um, because but how do you reach it if you're on an elephant? Because you've got a really long mallet. <laughs> it's very, very long. Does it not trip over elephants or just get in the way? The elephants are like, whoa! Well, because elephants this... are the clumsiest of the animal kingdom. And they also don't forget. No, this is far cuter than elephant polio, which was in the <laughs> um, 1984 Olympics and went down really badly. Elephant polio? Elephant polio. Yeah, it just caused all the athletes to die. It was an event. Uh, where just everyone gathered around and watched elephants die of a crippling and debilitating disease. Okay, so I believe... So, to summarise, yes. just bring this back over. Large, live pigeon shooting, boomerang throwing, and elephant polo. One of those happened, two of them didn't I go. I believe that the correct answer, the one that happened, was live pigeon shooting. What makes I, you say that? I believe I've heard about this somewhere, and it sounds like something that they would do barbarically then realize it's potentially wrong the predecessors to peter petter would come peter petter um who is spider-man's second cousin um <laughs> would come in and do something about it or they just wouldn't go back to it i believe that clay pigeon shooting okay. is a real olympic event that happened is it not clay pigeon shooting real pigeon actual shooting. Real, real pigeon pig- shooting yes. it is drum roll please robbie that's that was not a, a bad drum roll. Drum roll. That's just, just me thumping a table. Smashing the desk. But yeah, that's a good drum roll. You're right. Hooray! Yay! That was actually an anticlimax. It was a legitimate Olympic event, 
Um, and during the course of this one event being held, nearly 300 pigeons were shot and killed. <laughs> what were they expecting? Exactly. Uh, the thing is, I don't know what kind of... I couldn't find anywhere online what kind of guns they'd be using. Hmm. Because if they were, um, you know, using sort of larger shotguns, as you yep. would with clay pigeon shooting, the pigeons would just explode. <laughs> That's a particular I mean, I'm, I'm assuming image. they're not using birdshot and they're using actual full-on slugs, which would be interesting for the... Slugs? slugs. That wouldn't bring them to ground. they just sort of hit them and maybe the pigeon would eat it. As, as... in the ammunition? No, as in slugs. Wouldn't it be great if you had a gun that could fire slugs? I do. And you could shoot them into people's I, gardens. I do, but I shouldn't say this on air because it is illegal. <laughs> you have a gun that can fire slugs? I have a gun that can fire slugs and one that can fire snails, but they don't go more than a couple of inches. The, the um, shells get in the way, which shells also being another ammunition thing. Yeah. Are they related? Is this why they're called that? I don't know. What if all ammunition is named after spineless invertebrates? Why not creatively use Jordan? So, today is a Friday, hence why we're on air right now. Mm. And Fridays, with them, bring the release of several new films to yes, the cinemas. they do. And to the DVD on Mondays as well. The DVD. The DVD. The DVD. The DVD and the Blu-ray. Um, okay, and because we live in 2014, which I think you can... Can you confirm we do? I can confirm this is a thing. This there, is the present. There is a 93% chance... That Scoot McNary stars in all of them. Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary. What is a Scoot McNary? Scoot McNary is best known for the lead role in um, my old hit, cult hit, you could say, Monsters. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he's since Good gone old on to star. Scooty Scoot. He's since gone on to star in every film ever made since. Where's, where's where does Scoot McNary hail from? Um, he's somewhere in the Americas. He's he's somewhere. Is is um, Scoot a common name? Uh, I don't think so. No, his name is actually, I believe, John. Uh, oh. I'll get onto that as we go, but his middle name is Scoot, and he took that. Right, okay. Um, so yeah, I thought, firstly, considering we're at the stage, the comprehensive list, since I said 93%, all films will star him. Um, there's only actually been three films so far this year that have not starred Scoot McNary, which are the working-class drama Pride, um, the cerebral, cerebral comedy Frank, and the 30th anniversary re-release of Ghostbusters. It's a shame. I felt his presence was uh, was missing. Wait, no. He was in Frank. Never mind. There's only been two films that haven't starred Scoot McNary. Ah, oh, oh. oh, hypothesis ruined. Um, honestly, I haven't seen a man with so many small parts since my Uncle Phil collected every single Kinder Surprise toy. I've never uh, seen a man eat so many chicken wings. Um... However, it, however, it now isn't just films that Scoot McNary is taking small supporting roles in everywhere. No, he started appearing at random, without warning in posters or in trailers, in people's houses now. Right, okay. He just, he just pops up, You're taking appears. that surprisingly well, he, to say he's... He's like a spectre. To, say, to, to put this in more conventional terms, Hollywood superstar, or Hollywood star, certainly, or actor, certainly, Scoot McNary is now... Man, human is now breaking and entering. You took that surprisingly well. Yeah, but he seems lovely. Yeah. He seems he seems like the sort of person who, if you sort of stumbled a bit in the road, he'd go, you are right there? Just to check, because he's nice like that. He, he killed several people in, um, what was it that called? The film Brad Pitt he was in. Fury. No, the other one. Um, it was a few years ago now. Killing them softly. Um, oh. Yeah, because he's in everything. The interesting thing about Killing Them Softly, because I saw the film, 
they weren't killed very softly. <laughs> when they no. were killed, they were really killed. Um, so I thought it was my sacred duty, though. Kill them good. List the ten things you can do to s- prevent Scoot McNary from breaking into your house and delivering a few lines of droll dialogue with an offbeat charm. Okay, right. This is needed. So, number one, line your house with sea salt. Scoot McNary is very allergic to sea salt and will well up on contact. He as such does not enjoy chips. Mm. Or French fries, as I believe they call them in the US in, of the In A. the Americas, uh, from which he hails. So, number two, Scoot McNary previously worked as a carpenter. So be very careful where you keep your toolbox. Also, knock down your shed. Yeah. Which, um, also, it's really fun. <laughs> James can, speaking as a man who has recently knocked down his shed. Can confirm. Knocking down sheds are great. Uh, number three, remind Scoot McNary that his birth name is John and Scoot is only his misinformed middle name. His misinformed middle name? Yes. Trust me, Scoot, I know your <laughs> name better than you do. And it's not a particularly flattering middle na- first name, middle name, whatever you want to call it. Um, so number four, yes, number four. Do not have any parts in your house for an unconventionally but undeniably attractive bearded man. <laughs> Scoot McNary will lap them up quicker than you can say stubbly cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> then moving on the next piece of advice as to how to keep Scoot McNary out of your house which one are we on here number five I think number okay. six so, um, the let's not count these, these, are the, these are the points we need um, the numbers don't matter do not have a copy of Monsters 12 Years a Slave Frank Gone Girl uh, I mean I, I didn't know he was going to be in Gone Girl at all he, there's one scene where Ben Affleck walks into a bar and Scoot McNary sat there he sits down and talks to him that's it that's his entire role he's not explained he's not that, that's it that's do they at least have an film. interesting conversation ish um, and he then comes up at the end of the credits and, says, and Scoot McNary as such and such um, Scoot McNary as man in bar that was basically it. Yeah, no, yes, it's a five-minute conversation with Ben Affleck. It's a good film, by the way. Oh. Um, that's an aside. Potentially a spoiler. I don't know. No, or just any film from the previous four years, apart from those ones I mentioned at the start. So how um, else, Robbie, can we keep Scoot McNary yeah, away? So don't have a copy of any of these films in your house. Right. Because much like a weeping angel in Doctor Who, anything that bears the image of Scoot McNary becomes itself Scoot McNary. He's multiplying. Yes. Like a will, virus. He will leap out of an image of himself and into your house. Hmm. Uh, the next piece of advice, there's just a couple more now. Kill Whitney Abel, Scoot McNary's monster co-star and real-world wife. Uh. His morning shall buy you valuable Scoot McNary three weeks before he comes to seek revenge. Yeah. It's more of a, like, if he's a mild annoyance and you've really reached your limit, I'll kill his wife. <laughs> that, that's one way to deal and with it. And then there's the morning period, but then he's on a Scoot's vendetta. Scoot. Vendetta against Scoot. Um, okay, and then the next thing, this is perhaps the best piece of advice I can offer you, and I built up to this. Offer Scoot McNary the leading role in your house. He shall invariably turn this down to take on 300 smaller roles in all the houses on your street. <laughs> and then the final piece of advice on how to deal with Scoot McNary is to, of course, kill Scoot McNary. Oh, well, that's very resolute. Yeah, but if the... it's the best way to deal with it. What, by just killing it? Yeah. I mean, good actor and everything, but we don't want him breaking and entering, do we, James? No. But are we? who are we to say you can't break and enter if your ultimate who are decision we to was... Say, who are we to say we can't kill thousands of children? We're already killing children. We're already uh, supporting... Well, we're not already politics. killing children. We killed them. Did you not hear the start? We said we'd agree to killing children. We can kill one Hollywood superstar. This 
is D1. And I'm Ben. And now on D1, celebrities discuss their favourite types <laughs> of brick tiling. That was a fanfare for the celebrities. Yep, who are all... I've, I've managed to get information from loads of celebrities, interviewing them all myself and getting loads of information. Stroke, they're going to be here depending on whether we do an accent or not. So this is the official documented favourite tiling yes. of these celebrities. Firstly, Chris Pratt. It's okay. this thing called uh, bluestone. It's a kind of dense sandstone. I don't know. Chris Pratt doesn't sound like that. Um, how does Chris Pratt sound? Pratt sound? Um, you, need, you need to sound a bit more sort of Slacker-ish. Chris Pratty. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember Chris Pratt's you know, voice. You know, oh, what's he called? Um, Chris Pratt. Yes. Sound like him. Okay, I can do that. Um, it's it's kind of like a dense sandstone. Not even um, close. No. I'm just going to read this just, now. Just, just read it in, in the voice of a Robbie Owen. Like, kind of dense, just relatively dense, not properly dense. But it's fantastic, you know. It's kind of smooth. It's got, I've got it in my garden on my wall for a little ledge to keep snacks on and your drink on. There's it's a cool. slight American tinge to this Robbie Owen. Yeah, because I don't talk in those patterns. Um, <laughs> that's what Chris Pratt thinks is his favourite kind of tiling. It's bluestone. Okay, right. Very interesting. Good to know. Yeah. No, it's relatively dense, not too dense, of course. He, he likes that about it. It's smooth. Um, moving on, Paris Hilton. What's Paris oh. Hilton's favourite kind of brick tiling? Is she still alive? Apparently so. Because she's she's really fond of terracotta tiling, as you're about to find out. Oh. I'm like, like so into terracotta tiling. It's like... <laughs> that sounds like a... It sounds like a Welsh corgi. Um... I've got a kind of average absorption what? rate of high to very high, which is, like, outstanding. That is horrifying. That it's is also, really quite uncomfortable to listen to. It's also got this, like, old world beauty, according to slight, um, whatever that website I looked at was. I haven't forgotten to write it down. <laughs> and it has so many choice of gloss types to choose from. To, you know, you know accessorise. That's what Paris Hilton, she's fond of the absorption rate of uh, terracotta tiling. What do you think of the absorption rate of terracotta tiling, James? I think it's pretty good. Yeah, no, it is. It's high to very high, which is outstanding, as Paris Hilton put it. <laughs> as she herself put it. This is from Frank Sidebottom, who's already been mentioned in the show and referred to as being dead, which he is. Mm. So this is quite a remarkable thing. I've managed to get hold of Frank Sidebottom's favourite kind of brick tiling. Despite him being dead. Yes. Oh, hello there. It's me, Frank Sidebottom. I'm a big fan. I've actually written big man here. I'm a big man of quarry tiling, me. Especially seal quarry with a traction finish. I'll tell you what it is. It's high quality. Best tiling in Tipoli. That's what Frank Sidebottom thinks of quarry tiling. He's a big fan. What's happening? (laughs) Fair question. (laughs) Um... I'm, then, I'm startled by this this segment, to be honest. It, I'm, I'm taken aback. And then uh, Ed Miliband. Oh. Ed Miliband is a... Uh, this is Ed Miliband. Well, Ed Miliband has to say on the subject. Well, I'm a big fan of many types of brick tiling. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that brick tiling is the backbone of all our industrial efforts. Without brick tiling, we wouldn't be able to build anything, to tile anything with bricks. I believe we should support brick tiling as strongly as possible. It's a very Ed Miliband thing to say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd write another, but frankly, it was so boring to write. The amount of research I had to do into brick tiling and then celebrities and then matching them up to their brick tiling spirit animals. And, and frankly, I didn't feel it was... 
I, it, this could be the funniest thing we'd ever written. It wouldn't be funny enough to justify the hours I spent researching Purely, tiling. I mean, because it was in the voice of Ed Miliband. Yes. Who is mind-normingly dull. Yeah. No, but uh, I, brick tiling, Ed Miliband, not a great combination. Verbal discharge on D1 Radio. It's really good. Why not like our Facebook page? Guns and Roses there, live and let die, just as this show is about to do. It's we about are, to die. We this are currently is living, though. I think we should celebrate the moment of life we have left in us. But eventually we will have to let die. Yes. Sad times coming up. As Paul McCartney and, consequently, Axel Rose warned us about. Mm, through the we, manner of a James Bond theme tune. We should have heeded their warnings. We and knew this day would come, but we didn't prepare. Though, indeed, we have to launch into the slight plug. We do sort of a midweek blog post thing, which you can find us on the Facebook and the Twitter. And also, we've got the podcast available if you're insane enough to want to listen to us again. There is a dizzying amount of contact available if you follow all of our social media outlets and platforms and whatnot. You can, yeah, uh, we're at Verbal Discharge. You, you've, if you've listened to the show, if you've listened to the thing through, you know... You probably liked us already, so we appreciate that. Let's not let's not plug it again. Unless you're a German listener. Unless you're a German listener, which congratulations and thank you. Yeah, for cheers. being German. Thanks, German listener, whoever you are, it's it's appreciated. And the uh, listener in Luxembourg as well. And and all of the listeners closer to home. In, any of the listeners in and around the United Kingdom and indeed Great Britain and Northern any Ireland. of the listeners who are listening to or have listened to this show, because it, it's been a bit of a weird one. We, yeah. We've been we've been down by a few members of the team but i think we've uh, we've pulled together and hopefully we can all move on from the experience as more informed people i i certainly think so i feel we have learned and loved and kissed and fought and destroyed and fought as in spelled with a th and a variety of other um, verbs over the course of this show. There have been verbs, there have been nouns, there have probably been a couple of adverbs. They have all been verbally discharged. That's that's a joke on the title of the show. Um, Hopefully, well, we will be back next week, hopefully back to up to a full contingent of four with Jordan and Ben returning from the motorcycle accidents that took place last week as we now head towards the close of the show. Um, Robbie, for a James. final statement of the show, yes, could you read what is on one of these slips of paper? I'm now, I'm now reaching across to pick up a piece of slip of paper. And is Owen going to read the piece of paper? Yes, he is. That was uh, Ver- no, Gerbil Seinfeld bowing out. What is the final statement of the show this week, Robert Owen? Thank you for listening, viewers. Listeners. Val Kilmer is the greatest human being to have ever lived. Yes, 